So good morning and welcome to Alpine Brigham City. So glad you're here today. My name is Dave and I'm one of the overseers here. And today we're in the fifth week of our series. called The Jesus Way. The goal of this series has been to learn what it really means to be a Christ follower, a, a Christian, in a world of misinformation and living in a culture that lacks truth. Fortunately, we have God's Word, the Bible, which is our standard for truth. And in the Bible, we can learn directly from Jesus Christ, the living, the living God. Jesus teaches us how to live to honor God, he not only describes how to live life here on earth, but also in eternity, in his eternal kingdom, by living properly right now, by being the bigger person. In this series, we've been hanging out in Matthew 5, and if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you can turn to those now. And um, it's important to remember that the uh, in Matthew what, what, uh, what we're seeing here is Jesus giving what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's important to remember also that the culture and context of those who Jesus was teaching. Matthew was specifically writing to a Jewish culture. This was a culture that was well-versed in the Old Testament and governed by the law of Moses. And so Jesus coming in and teaching a new way would be per perceived as cutting edge or maybe even as contrary. But Jesus didn't come to change the law or just to clarify it. He came to fulfill the law. Here's what he said in Matthew 5. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And this, the law points forward to the way of Jesus. What Jesus was saying is that the law points forward to a bigger, more full picture of living to honor God. He's expanding on the law to bring completion and fullness, to bring understanding. He's speaking with authority because he's God. So far in this series, we've talked about anger, purity, trust, and divorce. In fact, on uh, April 24th was the first sermon in this series, and my wife Sue and I were quarantined with COVID that Sunday. Fortunately, mild case, cases. But I turned, tuned into alpinechurch.org, the online campus, and the uh, teaching pastor online was Jared Van Egan out of uh, Alpine in, in Ogden. And uh, he, was, he was telling a story about his lack of ability to, to control his anger, basically. And he had this, uh, he had this washing machine. I, I got to tell you this story because it was so funny. But uh, he had this washing machine that had broken down. The electronics, you know, were, were gone, and it was really not repairable. But he had kept it around, even though he had a new machine. But he was forced to move, and he was having to move this broken-down washing machine to a storage bay, which made him angry in the first place. It was worthless. So he's, he's wrestling with this washing machine by himself, trying to get it out of his house, 
gets it out of the house, and then, then he's, he's trying to get it up on a trailer, push it up on a trailer, just getting angrier by the moment, you know, just, just get this thing out of here. So he drives over to the storage bay with a trailer, gets over to the storage bay, now he's got to wrestle it off the trailer again, you know, manhandle this thing, and it gets, it gets stuck in the bed of the trailer. So he's trying to rip this thing loose, he wants to throw it on the asphalt, and somehow the top of the machine came loose, flew up, hit him in the mouth, and broke two of his teeth out. <laughs> so it just goes to prove that anger really doesn't help. And his, his kids still joke with him about the time their dad was beat up by the washing machine. That, that actually is not the end of the story. So if, you, if you'd like to uh, catch up on anger management, go to alpinechurch.org, online campus, and you can hear the rest of the story. But today we're going to be uh, looking at being the bigger person. Most of you probably heard the golden rule that says, treat others how we want to be treated. But do you know who came up with that golden rule? Actually, it was Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, just a couple chapters from where we just read in Matthew 7. So it says, do, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that was, is taught in the law and the prophets. So let's take a moment here to be real. Maybe you're like me and you have some questions about this golden rule. If this is what sums up the law, treating others with kindness, what happens when people don't treat us like we have treated them? What happens when people don't treat us like we want to be treated? Like, how should we treat others when they have done us wrong? What should we do when others have harmed us? Or when they have lied to us? Or maybe withheld important information from us? I have to be honest with you, I've struggled with this. And maybe, maybe you have too. Maybe you're like me and the golden rule goes out the door when someone has done me wrong. When I've been treated poorly, the, the golden rule from Jesus is quickly replaced by Dave's golden rule. Revenge is the best policy. A lot of years ago, I was, I was building my garage. And I was working up kind of high on like the overhang area. And I decided instead of working off a ladder, I'd rent a scaffold. So I went down to Ogden to a rental store to rent a scaffold and walked in there and the guy gave me a price for a, a section of scaffold. And he said, do you want to rent a, an aluminum plank for the top? And I thought, well, and it doubled the price of the rental. So I, I've got some 2x10s, 2x12s for planks. I don't think so. What I didn't know at the time was that aluminum plank has hooks on it that keeps that scaffold stable, even on uneven ground, where I was on uneven ground. So I went home, set it up, and started working, and I noticed the scaffold is moving under my feet. 
And it was like being on a surfboard or something, you know, on, the, on a wave. <laughs> and what was happening, it wasn't actually rolling, it was folding up, you know, collapsing, basically, with me on it. So I, I, luckily, I, I, I kind of slid off the thing from maybe only my feet were six foot off the ground. I didn't get hurt, but immediately I went back to that conversation with the guy at the rental store we, where he was obviously withholding important information for my safety. <laughs> and I started to invoke Dave's golden rule, you know. What can I do to get back at this guy? Should I return it through his front window? <laughs> Should I weld it together so it never comes apart, never collapses on somebody else? But anyway, if you're anything like me, Jesus has something for you on this subject today. And listen, this struggle's been going on from the very beginning, Cain versus Abel. It's natural to want to respond in this way, using Dave's golden rule instead of the one from Jesus. But Jesus wants to give us a new way, the way to be a bigger person. So let's jump into the first verse of our text today. from Matthew 5:38. This is just the first verse. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So at first glance we think, okay, now you're talking Jesus. You know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, harm for harm, wrong for wrong. I like I like this. If someone treats me bad, they deserve the same treatment in return. Right? Well, not so fast. Remember what Jesus was doing here in these antitheses. The Pharisees had manipulated and misinterpreted the law. But Jesus said, I'm bringing proper understanding. I'm bringing a more robust explanation of the law. I'm bringing fulfillment to it. Here's what he said in the rest of today's text. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken away from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So here's what was going on here. Jesus knows what they are thinking. He realizes they have heard of an Old Testament law that at face value would promote vengeance. This was the logic used to justify tribal warfare, or in today's world, maybe gang violence. In fact, this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were twisting the original intent of the law to fit their agenda. This Old Testament law, eye for eye, was called the lex talionis. That's a Latin phrase meaning law of retaliation. This law is found three times in the Old Testament, in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. It was a law that was to be used by judges in the Israelite justice system to promote equitable justice. It was meant to assure that the penalty for a crime was not arbitrary or excessive. It prevented making the punishment more severe than the crime itself. 
the law was never intended to promote personal vengeance. See, the Pharisees and the scribes had taken the eye-for-an-eye judicial principle and applied it to everyday personal relationships. They were teaching that seeking personal revenge was acceptable. If someone punched you, you could punch them back. If someone insulted you, they were fair game for your insults. If you were Will Smith and Chris Rock insulted your wife in the middle of the Oscars show, you could just walk up and slap him silly. So what was happening here, they were turning the golden rule from Jesus into Dave's golden rule. If you harm me, I can harm you just as bad. Revenge is the best policy. But remember, the Jesus way is, is different. It's, it's a fulfillment of the intent of the law. So in Jesus' response, he gives you the right way of handling revenge. So today we're going to look at the four ways Jesus shows us on how to be the bigger person. And our first key point is to take an insult when you want to hit back. Now let me clear up any confusion here. I don't think that Jesus is saying we shouldn't protect ourselves. Uh, Jesus is limiting of the lex talionis or the eye for an eye principle is in no way prohibits self-defense. Our military, police officers, those who are protectors of the peace certainly are allowed by law to protect themselves. But Jesus' command to turn the other cheek applies to personal relationships. Now we look at this word slap and we think immediately physical. But it seems there is a deeper theme that Jesus was getting to. I believe that he was highlighting personal slights of any kind. Think about this in our culture. When someone has done something or said something about someone to impact their character, you may have heard the term, what a slap to the face. Even in our day, a slap in the face is a metaphor for an insult or offense. And how often do we see these insults on social media or in uh, scathing online reviews that seemed intent on driving businesses out of business. Jesus is saying that as a Christ follower, when someone insults us, let them. When someone offends us, let them. When someone slaps us, turn the other cheek. And this goes for everyone and every relationship, family, friends, everyday people. In Leviticus 19, it says, Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So confront people directly. That, that means it's probably not on social media, right? That's face-to-face. And the last four words here, I am the Lord. That's like when you're a kid and you're complaining, Mom, why do I have to clean up my room? And the answer comes back, because I said so. I'm your parent, right? Well, that's, that's what God's saying here. I'm your parent. 
do what I say. <laughs> so this is much easier said than done. I get it. We have, we have to remember, though, that Jesus wants us, us to live a new way, a way that is centered upon him, not the way of the world. Don't let someone in their own insecurity ruin your security in a God who loves you more than anything in this world. That brings us to key point number two. Be a blessing when you have every right not to be. So in verse 40, Jesus moves this to kind of a legal context. He says that if someone were to sue you to take your shirt, or in those days it was called a tunic, that you should give your coat also, and they called them cloaks back then. So this, this is personally what, uh, how I think Jesus uses this context is because of how much we value our possessions. And 2,000 years ago, most people could not afford much of a wardrobe. A tunic or two or a shirt or two and one coat would be about it. And the, the value of these, however, was much greater than what we would consider today. A, a shirt would be more like an expensive ring, you know, maybe a diamond ring or something, uh, something you could take to the pawn shop and get a, quite a bit of money for, right? And the coat, they probably on, only owned one. That would be more like, uh, in today's money, the Lexus in the garage or maybe the Honda Goldwing in the garage. You know, something very valuable that uh, you could take the title to a loan shop and get a bunch of money for. And, and in fact, they could do that with their coats. And this next vote, uh, verse kind of explains that. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a money lender would as a money lender would. If you would take your neighbor's coat as a security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. This coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. How can a person sleep without it? If you do not return it and your neighbor cries out to me for help, then I will hear, for I am merciful. So with this context in mind, let's think about what Jesus is saying here. When he says, give the one who sues for your shirt, that's one thing. But then he says, and your coat, or the Honda Goldwing. He's saying that even though it's your right to have that coat, to go above and beyond and give it away. If we have a debt to someone, pay it off and give more. If someone sues you for your shirt, then give your coat also. What he is doing is he's changing their perspective on what it means to honor God and for us too. He's giving them instructions on how to be generous. He's getting to the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. The Jesus way means we don't hold on to our possessions. It means that we give above and beyond. It means that we give mercy and compassion, just like God did for us. You know that we all have a general understanding of what of our basic rights, and we get very angry when those rights are compromised. Jesus, however, is more concerned that we are a blessing to others 
rather than insisting on our rights are honored in every situation. His goal is to redeem others through us, not for us to get even with them or even necessarily get what we deserve. Now, you might say that's, that's easy for Jesus to say because he's God. But he led by example. In Philippians 2, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. With that in mind, it means we should imitate Christ. And that comes in 1 Peter. For God called you to do, to do good, even, when it, even, it, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Living the Jesus way isn't easy. It means sacrifice. It means suffering. It means giving up things we love for things we love more. But I promise you, friends, it's worth it. Not only will it benefit here us, us here on earth, it'll benefit our relationships, in our work, in the world around us, but also for eternity. So that brings us to key point number three. And it says, go the extra mile when you get a tough assignment. So Jesus illustrates this idea further with something from Roman times called impressment being pressed into service. The Romans could command civilians at any time to carry the luggage of military personnel for a prescribed distance. That was one Roman mile, a thousand steps. And this would literally mean you could be out working all day long, dead tired on your way home, and a soldier could force you to carry his stuff for a mile, maybe his armor or his suitcase. Um, not only was this difficult, it was also humiliating because they were asked to serve the conquerors of the Holy Land. Uh, Jesus addresses this. He says that rather only going one mile, go two miles. Naturally, we would want to stand up for ourselves, say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's crazy. But Jesus says his way is different. We don't do the bare minimum. If you're called to do something difficult, be willing to go even further. That's the Jesus way. You know what's interesting about this? The only other time this explanation of Roman impressment was referenced in the Bible was when Jesus was being led to his death. The Roman soldiers forced Simon the Cyrenian to carry, carry Jesus' cross for him. How do you think this would go over today? Not, not very well. In today's world, nobody would force you to carry their gear for a mile, but we might have a boss who's always giving us extra work or forcing ex an extra assignment on us. 
We may have a coach or a teacher who never lets up. We may have a demanding relationship. Or we might be pressed into service to carry some, someone else's burden. Or in my case, I, I get a call from Mike asking me to give the sermon in less than 10 days. My typical reaction is to find some excuse to say no. But then I read through this key point about carrying someone else's burdens. So I said yes. Then I walk outside. I turn on my sprinkler system for the first time this year. And a a pipe was split open. So I had this huge geyser. But fortunately, I've had people come forward this week to help carry my burdens, so I, I really appreciate them. When Jesus was telling them to go the extra mile, he wasn't just talking about a soldier's armor. He was talking about relieving someone else's burdens. It would have really impacted others. Likewise today, when we go above and beyond, people will notice our actions. And when we do, they will be pointed to Jesus. This brings us to our final point, number four. Be generous when you find someone in need. The final illustration that Jesus gives is the willingness to be generous. The implication is that we are willing to give to those who are in need. You see, our money is not our money, it's God's. Our stuff is not our stuff, but it's a gift from God that we can share with those who have need. When Jesus was teaching this, remember he was teaching it to a well-rehearsed Jewish culture. They would have understood this passage from Deuteronomy. If there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. That was an Old Testament thing about canceling debts. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So notice it says for and not then in the last line. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. It doesn't say then. So don't be a giver just to get more. I believe God will bless a cheerful cheerful giver, but that's not why we should give. We should give because we recognize that we've been given much. And I should mention, we offer Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University here. In the last hundred years or so, our, our society has, has bought into the lie that being in debt is normal. But debt will it'll severely limit one's ability to give generously. And that's why we teach getting out of debt. And uh, an example from Proverbs is the, uh, these words, the, the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. So guess what? Slaves don't have a lot of money to be generous with. But even if you are far away from financial peace and understanding those principles, you, you can begin to give practically today to someone in need, 
to the church that has needs, to a stranger on the street corner. Whatever you do, my hope is that you would decide to start recognizing the great blessings that God has given us. And in return, may we give it back to him by blessing others. So when we look at the Jesus way today, how do we put into action being the bigger person? Understand that justified retaliation is not the picture of a Christian. The picture of a Christian is selfless sacrifice. Give your cheek, give your shirt, and your coat. Give your physical service, and give financially. This is the Jesus way. And why should we do this? Because Jesus died on a, on a cross for you and me. And we follow his teaching out of the joy of being saved from our sins. How can we do this? We take on a new nature. And this was brought up in Ezekiel. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to follow my regulations. So may we receive his forgiveness today and let his spirit lead us into living the life, the Jesus way, and by being the bigger person. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you today for the truth you have provided each of us through your Holy Bible. We praise you for the teaching preserved for us by Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount. Please forgive us when we try to dismiss or rewrite your commands and replace them with what the world teaches us. We ask that your Holy Spirit will remind us on how to be the bigger person, to take an insult when we want to hit back, to be a blessing when we have every right not to be to go the extra mile when we get a tough assignment and to be generous when we find someone in need. We yield to living life your way versus our own understanding. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.